Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon granny goodness what have you brought before me in apocalypse oh my merciless lord dark side i have brought you a special treat today ah before you i bring the kryptonian i am ready to do granny's bidding and turn him into the perfect weapon (laughs) so let me just get this straight your lips are are they black like that or is that lipstick what's going on there rude rude behavior from the naughty little monkey granny's going to have to spank you good wow i don't know if i want a spanking from from you especially it's a little weird uh What's wrong with Granny Goodness? Well, I mean, how is, like, I mean, shouldn't she be retired for one? This is just weird. You guys are kind of backwards here on Apocalypse. And also, your name, why do you even have that name if it's supposed to be, I mean, you guys say it's, like, all cool and stuff, but, I mean, it's not what I see. Let me put it that Kryptonian, way. don't you think she should have the freedom of choice to have the name that she wants? I mean, have whatever choice you want, but doesn't mean I have to get behind it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and also, like, I don't know if I, I, again, I don't, I cannot get past the lipstick. Lord Darkseid has never had an issue with Granny's choice in lipstick. I mean, something like a, any kind of red. The black. Are you some sort of, like, goth? I never thought you'd be so damn small-minded, Kryptonian. Indeed. I also was not expecting this, Granny Goodness. I would think the Kryptonian would be a lot more progressive than this. Why is a woman your age even... What are you doing here? Why are you still, you know, why are you still working? Whoa, 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 whoa. Kryptonian, how dare you be ageist in Apocalypse? Ageist, sexist, what do they got next, you know? This is like a new term every week. Wait, uh, are you telling Granny that it's not progressive on Earth? Well, our grannies don't do all this kind of work, I'll tell you that much. You put in a lot of... uh, Did you break a hip doing... Dragging me here? 
Granny works hard to do Darkseid's bidding and mold her little tadpoles into the perfect little mercenaries. And she is rewarded well. Wait, how do you re how do you reward her? That's what I want to know. This is getting even weirder. You give her a kiss on those black ass lips of hers. You make it sound like there's something wrong with that. <laughs> you got an old old woman fetish? I mean, uh, sure, I guess, whatever. That's constitutional. This kind of mindset coming from a man wearing his underwear on the outside of his pants. I always wondered about that. I'm just gonna be straight up with you guys. I like showing my dick off. It's really what it boils down to. You think it was some circus shit or something like that? No, I just want to emphasize what's going on down there. Burt Ward style. I always suspected that. What? So what do you? What do you, I mean? Is this what you wear all the time, Dark Side, or what? You got? You don't have any black? You don't have any black lipstick? Oh, such crass language and behavior. Perhaps you're not the right person to be Dark Side's perfect weapon. Sounds good to me. I mean, I, I don't give a fuck about you people. What do you mean, you people, Kryptonian? Oh, is that wrong now, too? We're not that far behind in Smallville, I thought, but maybe we are. Granny, take him away. This one is unfit. You don't have to take me away. I'm going. I'll, I'll see you later. This is gonna be your fucking granny fetishes and shit over here. I mean, more power to you, but not my scene. Get the boom tube, you boob. There's nothing wrong with loving a grandma. So long. Kryptonian. Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and we are all hyped for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So to lead up to that, we thought, why not debate the installment that came beforehand, the most controversial superhero movie of all time, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. It is I, Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me as usual is... Ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling-ling-ling, <laughs> everybody, what's going on? This is Andrew, and look who's with us here today at this juncture. It's me, your old Uncle Joker's <laughs> back. I'm back, I'm tanned, I'm rested, and I'm ready to give this old podcast a wedgie again. <laughs> um, Mr. Joker, sir, what do you think of today's society? I apparently we live in one, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> we live in one that is today, yes. today's society. So yes, there you go. Indeed. So Man of Steel was a solo movie, so it was just Andrew and me. But this is a crossover team-up movie, and we thought it was time to bring back Zachary Jackson Brown, our favorite Joker voice and artist. Who's man-washing so Wonder Woman in this in this trifecta? Is it me? I guess He's it's me. you got the long hair. Yeah, I yeah. guess it's me. All right. That's cool. Blam. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we did Snyder versus Critics on Man of Steel where we brought up common criticisms of the movie, dove into Zack Snyder's intentions, and then voted on where we fell on that scale. Check out those episodes to find out what the verdict was on that, but we're going to do the same thing here with Batman versus Superman. Do you it think this is more controversial easy. than Man of Steel? Absolutely. Really? I okay, I was so on ground zero for Man of Steel, and that was just, you know, yeah. like I said, that was like my movie for a time. So mm -hmm. that felt like such a big controversy to me, but I guess but I could be—I'm totally wrong about it. I guess this is like an hour longer, yeah, uh, with more stuff that was like this is uh, when I went through every single part. I'm like, there's almost every scene of this movie that 
fans have not either picked apart or defended in some way in the past four to five years. So I'm like, these are going to be this is going to be a long series. It feels like <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, and it's on the di- we, it's on the director's uh, ultimate edition, basically ultimate, a director's so, cut. Yeah. So guys, we're going over the ultimate edition. If you haven't seen that yet, make sure to check that out. But we thought to might, we might as well stay true to Snyder's original intention, the original cut that he had wanted to get out there, especially if we're going to be evaluating his intentions versus what cri- what people have criticized him for. And it should be easier this time since there's three of us, so there won't be any ties this time. Uh, and then in between each vote, I'll provide a relevant tidbit or little-known fact about the movie uh, as well that most people don't know uh, that's relevant to whichever part that we voted on. So anyway, before we get into it, I thought we would introduce this episode by going over, I guess, some of our initial reactions to Batman vs. Superman in 2016. So... I guess I'll start, and we can go for go ahead uh, after me. But I went to a preview screening of this uh, about maybe a week or two before the release of it. Oh, and I walked out of it very mixed. The first thing that I said to my friend was like, "The critics are going to annihilate this movie," and I was right uh, <laughs> on it. But it didn't mean that I hated it. I just felt extremely mixed. I remember enjoying a lot of the Batman stuff, except for maybe the killing, and that's not because of the usual like Batman shouldn't kill so much is the fact that I had seen so much of Batman killing on screen already that I was like really we're doing this again okay because again like the only Batman who hasn't really killed is George Clooney and Adam West uh, and the serial guys if we count them but anyway <laughs> in terms of the modern Batman I was kind of ready for a different take however it is important for the story for him to be trying to kill Superman so I understand that uh, but as always I love the suit hence why I'm wearing it uh, I love the suit. It was the Batman suit come to life. Love Wonder Woman's inclusion. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. To this day, I stand by, I guess, what seems in some fan circles to be the unpopular opinion that I liked Affleck better than Bale. That's not to say that I hated Bale, but I do really like Batman, uh, Batfleck, uh, in the role a lot. Some of that comes from the suit, but some of that just comes from how he just played both sides. Uh, but on the other end of things, I didn't like Lex Luthor at all. <laughs> I didn't really connect to this version of Superman. <laughs> Uh, I didn't like that they did Death of Superman here because it was so obvious that he was going to come back. It was kind of the same way I felt about the ending of Avengers Infinity War where once Black Panther and Spider-Man started getting dusted, I was like, oh, they're coming back. There's no way you're going to kill off those characters right now. Uh, And I felt the same way here. uh, And I felt the storyline in some ways was a mess when it came to the theatrical version. And I walked out being like, well, I'm down for Ben Affleck Batman solo movie, but I'm not really sure if I'm down for anything else that's in this world. Maybe Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman was cool in the movie, and of course that turned out to be great. Uh, but after the Justice League we got in 2017, the actual one, the, the Joss Whedon cut of it, uh, even back then, before we knew the full details of behind-the-scenes stuff, before we even knew that the Snyder Cut was going to be reality, I was like, eh, you know what? Maybe I need to revisit Batman versus Superman because I'd rather get a failed experiment, quote-unquote, or something that I didn't, you know, had some good intentions but might not have stuck the landing. I'd rather have that than a generic corporate version that we got with Justice League that felt very just hacked together. And so I think I grew to appreciate it more, and I really dug in, especially for these episodes, in preparation for Justice League to see what Snyder's intentions were for a lot of these things. And I've come to appreciate a lot of what he intended, even if, like I said, a man of steel, I don't necessarily agree with how he conveyed it. I still at least appreciate what he was trying to do on here. So we'll get, 
we'll get into the detailed version. But uh, let's go around and uh, keep going with initial reactions. Shall we go, with Andrew, next? Actually, uh, Zach, you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, the beginning of what Ben said sounded very familiar for myself. I actually <laughs> went to a midnight premiere because I was so excited about it. And I think I came out feeling much the same way. Just uh, I kind of was in um, kind of doubt. I was trying to like tell myself that it was a good movie. Uh, I wasn't like <laughs> sure if I, I wasn't sure. Like I was like, I love I that. A That's Batman so movie. I saw a Batman movie. How can I feel this way? This is the first time mm -hmm. I've ever seen one. and just been like, I don't know about that. I, it's, mm -hmm. I had a lot of mixed feelings about it for uh, a very long time. And, just like you, I really liked Ben Affleck's costume, and I liked the way he acted. I liked the warehouse fight scene. Yeah, I didn't like him like mowing down people, uh, dragging cars along and blowing them up uh, into each other. That was like mm -hmm. just kind of just reckless carelessness of life to me. But overall, I really liked Batman, uh, but it just felt like kind of a, a downer of a movie that I, I wasn't quite expecting. Um, and... I will say this, I know we talked about it the very first episode you guys ever had with me, but I had a different opinion about it after I saw Justice League um, for much the same reason. Kind of like you said, you'd rather see a, a failed experiment rather than a, you know, kind of Marvel copycat or just yeah. this like sterile, safe thing. And after I watched Justice League and I was like, huh. I kind of thought back to Batman vs Superman. I was like, well, at least it took a chance. At least it, <laughs> it was different. Yeah, at least right. it was like its own 100%. thing. And now looking back, I, I kind of respect how comic book it was. I think at the time, I there were certain parts of it that just really kind of threw me for a loop because we had been getting used to uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, which are mm -hmm. heavily based in reality. And then you're thrown into this movie with Batman in it. And then there's like other superheroes, which that's the first time that's ever happened on film. And there's just like aliens and all this stuff. And it's just, it really was weird to me to like see him in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I think my experience is very similar to yours. And just like Andrew said earlier in the opening credits, when little Bruce is flying, the bats <laughs> carry him up a well. I started to look around. I was like, wait, what am I What am I watching? <laughs> I didn't quite realize it was a dream yet until he said it, and then I woke up. I was just yeah. like, what, are the bats really like carrying him out of the well? Surprise, Batman flies in, this, in these <laughs> yeah, films. <laughs> I, I didn't, I was taking it so literally that I couldn't just uh, take it as this like visual piece of art. So yes, uh, very mixed reviews to begin with, but I have more respect for it now. Mm -hmm. I... Andrew. Uh, so when I first saw it, I don't know. It was, yeah, I've kind of echoed pretty much everybody's opinion in the beginning, really, where I didn't like it a whole lot. And the Martha thing just felt so, just the silliest turn <laughs> ever in a movie, ever, uh, especially at that time. And, um, yeah, it was too quick for, for Superman to die, like Ben said, and it's just like... I don't know. The theatrical cut, cuts especially felt a little bit. We were so entranced in Marvel's spell, too, at this time, I think, especially at this time. And to Zack Snyder's credit, he doesn't do that. So, like, it just mm -hmm. felt like everybody was just just didn't like it. And the Martha thing just really didn't help. And it's just kind of overly dark in some areas. But 
I just watched it as this morning as the record uh, before we recorded this episode, and I gotta say it's like the the it's a lot better than I remember. A lot better. Mm-hmm. I feel like am I on the Zach train too much now or something? Like <laughs> am I following? Like popular, pop, you know, the popular uh, idea now that we're, we're all like Zack Snyder again, and you know mm-hmm. he doesn't have a scandal appar- apparently, um, like other people yeah. might have, and and stuff like that that we won't get into right now, and like I don't know, like even the Martha thing, guys, I, I I'm telling you, I like you turned around on that, <laughs> maybe not entirely, but it made uh-huh. a lot more sense, and I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, but just to cover mm-hmm. that real quick. It's mainly the wording, I think. If he, if he had said, yeah. if he had said, my mother, go get my mother. Her name is Martha. If he said it yeah. like that, it would have been great. It would have it would have mm-hmm. played a lot better. But he just says Martha out of nowhere. Like yeah. I know Superman knows that he doesn't. That Batman doesn't know his his mom's name. But still, you got to start that sentence off with my mother. Okay. Yeah. That makes it so much better that one little change but the overall idea is okay batman does kind of change real quick but maybe that's a coming to he has a coming to reality moment yeah mm-hmm. in that so it switches in him and i don't know he just looked at his parents grave like Snyder sets it up okay you know actually better mm-hmm. than i remember so yeah i don't want to seem like i've t- made a one a total 180 on Snyder, but if you hated it t- before go and watch the theatrical i mean the uh, the ultimate edition you mm-hmm. might still hate it, but I don't know. For me, it made a lot more sense. I've warmed up to it, all the changes, and um, yeah, even one of the li- they took out a line from the theatrical cut too, right? Where he says, uh, "You're you're my uh, that's my friend you're talking about or something." When he saves Martha, when Batman saves Martha. I could be wrong. Oh, about he that. says, uh, "I'm a friend of your son's," and she's like, "I can tell the cape." Oh yeah, was there another line though, or is that it? And no, that's I don't it? think so. Okay. okay, I might be wrong on that. I remember that I incorrectly, so. maybe. But but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's not the most perfect thing in the world, but I mean, shit, it it had undeserved hate probably, and that's mm-hmm. because the nerd community, I, I think. We had just come off of Avengers, and Avengers 2 took a dip, I guess, but, like, Marvel was just killing it, and they still are, actually. I mean, look at WandaVision, you know? Right. And it's just... I don't know. I'm excited to talk about it now. It was just way, yeah. way better than I thought it was going to be, because I went in being like, oh, three hours of this bullshit. You know? <laughs> I, I do wonder if it had come out a little later, because of the whole quote from Deborah Snyder being like, you know, apparently fans don't like their heroes being deconstructed. I'm like, well, maybe... <laughs> it wasn't the time for deconstruction yet. You know, we were right, still in the golden right, age of, right. of superhero movies. And now we're kind of in the more experimental age of, of stuff. Like sure. Marvel is still, as you said, Marvel's still killing it with WandaVision, but you can't tell me that they would have been able to pull off a sitcom with Wanda and vision back in 2012, no. you know, and get people to buy into that type it of would have been yet. like, what, what, yeah, exactly. what are you doing but now that they've bought that free will to experiment and I think DC kind of just jumped into the deconstruction, just like how a lot of people say that Snyder's Watchmen should have been released maybe 10 years afterwards or something like that because of the fact that, again, that was like a year after Dark Knight, a year after people were just starting to see like, oh, superhero movies are fucking great. Yeah. Um, 
also a year after Iron Man, so that was just the kickoff of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like he was deconstructing while things were being constructed, and so maybe Snyder's biggest sin isn't necessarily what he was doing so much as the timing uh, of it all, unfortunately. And maybe that's why that's a partial reason why we're also ready for uh, the Snyder cut is because of the fact that like we've seen all the Avengers movies, we've seen a previously hacked together version of. Justice League. Now we're just down for whatever the hell this four-hour, seven samurai style thing is going to be because yeah. we're down for anything now. His cinematography, I think, I mean, Marvel just kind of shoots things a little bit, I don't know, they're trying to stay consistent with all 25 of their movies or whatever, so I get it. Right. But, like, Snipe, who I forget, Larry Fong, Walter Fong? Larry Fong. Fong, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that. it's, I think, I hate doing the DC versus Marvel stuff sometimes, but I do think cinematography is so good um, mm-hmm. and just like there's a lot more striking imagery in Snyderverse I think uh, than a lot of Marvel stuff and mm-hmm. uh, man Zack Snyder loves Batman holding guns <laughs> god damn <laughs> yes. he's holding a sniper that shoots a tracker he's shooting yep. in the in the dream sequence he's shooting yep. a lot um, but still mm-hmm. he wants to have Batman to have a gun and like the kryptonite uh, smoke bomb uh, gun, grenade launcher, grenade, grenade launcher yeah. thing too. He's holding a gun in almost every fucking scene. <laughs> yep. So we'll we'll get into all the different controversies. We'll go into our opinions on it, but it looks like we could all, all kind of universally feel better about it than we did when we first saw it. Totally. Which is, which is awesome. So let's dive into it. So first tidbit is that Zack Snyder has been on record about wanting to do Batman since doing Watchmen in 2009. Not since Man of Steel, but since doing Watchmen. Yeah. So uh, almost 10 years beforehand. So during the time of Watchmen, Snyder was even asked about if the world was ready for Watchmen because of the fact that there were new darker superhero movies like Chris Nolan's Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And here is what Snyder said. Everyone says that about Batman Begins, Batman's dark. I'm like, okay, no, Batman's cool. He gets to go to a Tibetan monastery and be trained by ninjas, okay? I want to do that, but he doesn't, like, get raped in prison. That could happen in my movie. If you want to talk about Dark, that's how that would go, because I'm Snyder. So, yes, this became controversial <laughs> years later. Because people said, like, holy shit, Snyder said that he'd have Batman get raped in prison in his vision. <laughs> There's a prison shanking in this movie. <laughs> but in the Ultimate Edition. Yeah. However, we have to keep in mind the context of this. He's talking specifically about the world of Watchmen. The world of Watchmen is a world where Batman could get raped in prison. But as we saw in Batman vs. Superman and probably in Justice League, I kind of doubt that Ben Affleck's Batman is going to get raped in prison in that. So I just Hopefully wanted to clarify. Not. It's too swole. I just wanted to clarify what that meant right. <laughs> for right. people. Right. Um, but around Watchmen, Snyder went on record saying his dream was to do, no big surprise, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. No kidding. That's all and, over this movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, but his choice at the time was not Ben Affleck. Jake his choice Gyllenhaal. at the time was not Jake Gyllenhaal either. It was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah that's Thomas Wayne. Sure, yeah. So yet another instance of Snyder fitting in someone in a different role than what he you know, might have originally intended. Because as we covered in Man of Steel, that happened like three times uh, with different actors on this. So it's Batman uh, Earth 2 or something? What's, what's the Earth that he's the Batman of? Thomas Wayne? Oh, he's a, from the Flashpoint yeah. universe. Yeah, Flashpoint so, universe, yeah. And, uh, and that Batman has guns. Yeah. So like, <laughs> he really needs to just yes. get his wish on that one. Snyder, yeah, if yeah. you're listening out there, I really want you to get your wish on that one. 
You just need to have it, I think. Just bring Flashpoint Batman to life. Yeah, just make Flashpoint Batman for HBO Max. Yeah. Fucking, it's going to be incredible. Yes, so that's probably why he has Jeffrey Dean as Thomas Wayne in the in the opening. They had worked together on Watchmen where he was the comedian, of course, and that's around the time that Snyder's like, you would be a great like Dark Knight Returns Batman. And, of course, Batman for Superman comes out, and I have a feeling you know, either Jeffrey Dean Morgan couldn't do it because he was, he was Negan right around the same time. Um, right. So it was either that or they just thought he was too old for it. But whatever the case is, I, I think he's he's great casting for that. And he would be great casting if they ever did uh, the Flashpoint version of Batman. But instead, we're getting Keaton. And I can't complain about that either. <laughs> so we're spoiled. Right. right. As it is in 2021. So anyway, that was the tidbit on to Snyder versus critics. I think the very first thing that was criticized about the opening of this movie was critics saying that we saw the Wayne murders for the 200th time. People were saying this was overdone. It had previously been seen in 89, flashbacks to Batman Forever, seen in Batman Begins, and that doesn't count any of the animated movies, doesn't count the TV shows, like Gotham, doesn't count the comics. Obviously, we saw it in Joker, but Joker didn't exist at the time of uh, Batman versus Superman. So the big criticism was, like, did we really have to see the Waynes die again? So opening up the floor, where do you guys fall on this? Zach. Oh, I think that's stupid. I would give the point to Snyder. I think that the the fact that he did it over the credits is perfect. Like it's not like an integral scene of the movie. It's just kind of setting up uh Batman for you just to remind you, I guess, of of his origin, but to play it over the credits is like just immediately out of the way and it's one of the best looking versions of the Wayne murder ever. Mm-hmm. Like he really did try to um copy uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns like comic of his memories of his parents being murdered and I mean it looks it looks really great I don't I don't see that uh, criticism as being valid um, it was just like the over the credit sequence so to me I like it nice Andrew uh, you know we've seen it too many times I actually agree with the critics <laughs> on this one um, I, you bastard I would I think it's like you have with Krypton I would put the I would position it you could still shoot it but I would I would have edited it differently like whenever he's walking to the grave uh, splice it in there a little bit just like it being a whole scene uh, especially in the beginning it's just a bit much like you need to this is Batman vs Superman the two most well-known superheroes of all time worldwide mm-hmm. People in the Amazon, probably you know, Amazonian rainforest probably know who they are. You know what I mean? Like people just damn near uncontacted tribes and shit. You know, um, but uh, and I would have. It just it needs to have like an epic opening to me. I don't know. Like you know how Star Trek two thousand nine started. Yeah. It was just like this. Yeah. yeah, this ridiculously big uh, intro. That's kind of what I wanted. Although they could, would you have started it with the destruction of Metropolis? Yeah. And been after like running around instead. Yeah. I would, I would have started on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe gotcha. an action scene of him going around in the city, uh, you know, saving people like that. And there's where your action comes in. Maybe the first thing you hear is that from the, from the world mm-hmm. engine, you know, but like just before, uh, right. it, it comes to picture, uh, something like that. Like I'd get right into that if that was me. So, mm-hmm. um, critics. Gotcha. <laughs> well, uh, I'm with both Zack Snyder and Zach Brown, uh, oh, on shit. this because of the fact that I feel like this is one of the best versions of the Wayne murders myself. Yes. It's at, it's mostly tangentially related to the rest of the story. You honestly just need this for Martha. 
Yeah. If you think about it, that's it. It's mainly there for the audiences to know Martha is the name of his mom, and that's about it. Yeah. However, the Hans Zimmer track, A Beautiful Lie, I think I talked about this in the Wonder Woman 84 deep dive because they use that, but it's an amazing track. It's it's haunting, poetic. It says everything about the trauma that you need to say. It's a 100% adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns. It's the first version of the Wayne murders where you see that they went to see the Mark of Zorro, which has not happened in any other version. You literally see the poster for Tyrone Powers, the Mark of Zorro, so that's true to it. Thomas Wayne has a mustache, just like in Dark Knight Returns. Right. Uh, none of the other Thomas Waynes had it. Uh, the mugger's gun going through the pearl necklace, all those things. The only thing that could have made it a little more true to it is giving the killer a hat, which I know is a weird thing for me to be into, but I really like the <laughs> idea of the imagery of Joe Chill of the hat because the hat covers like the rest of his face. And I love the idea of Batman thinking about how the shadows hit his face for me and I will use the shadows against them type of thing. Wow. But I, that's, that's good. I mean, yeah, that, that's if yeah. I were to have shot, it, it would have been that, but that's about it. Like everything else Snyder has is a hundred and perfect. It's shot it's, great. I mean, it's just the positioning for it's me. It's beautiful. It's really yeah. done. I for mean, the story, what it's done, yeah. it's done. Well, it's just, I would have, I would have shot it. I mean, you know, Armchair director over here. We're all armchair. Yeah. We're all being armchair here. I would have, but I, that, yeah. I would have, sh- you know, I would have put it somewhere else, like yeah. splice gotcha. it in here and there. But man, gotcha. I mean, yeah, it was done well. It, yeah, I, I think it's the best version. It it basically beat out the Burton version to me, even though I love the Burton version. But the Burton version to me was like the quintessential way to do the the Wayne murders for years until I saw this, and I was like, yeah, this is this is almost impossible to to beat after this one. The I don't gun need to see going it through the again. The neck, the, the way it, you know, goes through the necklace. The pro necklace, yeah. Like, like right under her chin, basically. There's something like, I don't know, like it's, it's brutal. It's a, it's a, it's almost like a. I wish I could think of a better word, but I'm sorry. It's like a rapey vibe, almost. It's like a, I don't know, man. It's a feeling of violation there. Yeah, yeah feeling but, of violation. I know he's about to get shot. Yeah. Any, she's about to get shot anyway. But it's just like yeah. it's even worse like that for some reason. That yeah. visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that think could have made it more emotional is if it had the same lead up that Batman Begins had where we got to know the family but for this story it's not necessary Uh, but I just thought you know that would be the perfect blend if they ever did that but again we don't necessarily need to see it again anyway uh, that's two versus one I guess we have outvoted you Andrew which means that Snyder won critic zero for this time but we could have it different way when it comes to the other stuff it's just the first one we'll see how it goes yeah. Uh, so next tidbit: the movie deliberately opens and ends with funerals for uh, a deliberate reason. So we open with the funeral of the Waynes and we end with the funeral of Superman. Uh, Snyder said that this was to give the impression of the cyclical uh, feeling. Uh, of we start in sort of this hopeless world. Uh, that's why there's leaves in the beginning to show like the fall and the, and the feeling of falling, which is also why he falls into the Batcave. Uh, and as we grow through the process of discovering our humanity, as the which is the core of the movie, is Batman discovering his humanity through Superman. Uh, the final funeral is less about hopelessness and more about Superman's sacrifice giving hope. It's Superman's sacrifice of the world that sort of motivates Batman to uh, sort of redeem himself and put everybody back together and redeem his faith in humanity, which is why he has the whole monologue of how men are still good, as opposed to the opening where he talks about a beautiful lie. And those sorts of things. Right. So he's no longer the cynic that he was before after seeing Superman. And Superman has given him hope. So I, I like the symbolism of those aspects. Uh, all right. So this is a nitty gritty uh, Snyder versus critics thing that has to do with the Wayne murder. But what was criticized was Thomas Wayne 
throwing a punch at the mugger or having his <laughs> fist clenched before he went in. And I know that seems really nitty-gritty, but there was I saw a lot of discussion on this. One of the critics was uh, Max Landis, who, for some backstory, is the son of John Landis, was a screenwriter for movies like Chronicle and American Ultra. Uh, when we get to Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, there's a rumor that Eisenberg based his performance, Lex Luthor, on Max Landis. So just to uh, add a little bit to that real quick, Max Landis yeah. around this time, maybe after Man of Steel, he started making these like little videos. I don't know if they're still up or not, but they are. Yeah, they are. And he, you know, he was just like criticizing the movies, and he criticized Batman vs Superman. He's a big Superman fan. He wrote for DC, right? He wrote American Alien, American American Alien, which was the inspiration for the Man of Tomorrow animated movie. Okay, and like you know, he's kind of he's a big Superman fan. He's in the mix a little bit, and just his personality, well, just. Go look up Max Landis Superman. I don't know after this after you listen to this, but like, mm-hmm. it's you could see where Jesse Eisenberg gets it from, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll go further into it when we get to, yeah. into Eisenberg. But uh, yeah, so Landis was probably one of the biggest critics of this that I remember at the time, and the big criticism was that Thomas Wayne throws the punch. However, again, if you look at the Dark Knight Returns, that close up shot of the fist I think is in the comic. It's been part of the comic. In fact, if you look at the very first version of the origin by Bill Finger, the second panel, Thomas Wayne's like last line of dialogue is leave her alone and has him charging at Joe Chill. So this is less to do about comic accuracy and more to do with do you agree with that decision or not in terms of adapting that aspect of the origin. Zach. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's important for Bruce to see that because he's seeing that his father wasn't afraid and Mm -hmm. did try to do something about it and to defend himself and yeah i think that's really important for him to see that i don't Mm -hmm. i don't see why there would be any criticism over it yeah i don't understand that either i'm gonna go with snyder on this one because a guy's family is getting about to get shot what the fuck do you want to do you know i I (laughs) want i want uh, i want martha clenching a fist you know, yeah. I want them all. Cl- yeah. I want them all them. clenching fists as a family. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody clenches fists in my film. All right. So all right, one hundred one hundred percent agree with you guys. Yeah. So that's that's a landslide. Snyder two critic zero. So looking good for Snyder so far. Uh, much has been said about the fact that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is Thomas Wayne and Lauren Cohen is uh, Martha, and everyone's just like it's Negan and Maggie from uh, The Walking Dead, but not a lot of people talk about the gunman. So right. the gunman is played by Damon Caro. Damon Caro is the person we have to thank for the Batman warehouse scene. He's the stunt coordinator and second unit director on the movie. Nice. Uh, so he was the one who coordinated that whole damn fight. Uh, he was cast I- as the mugger for a couple of reasons. One is that he was also a mugger in Watchmen. Uh, people have pointed out that uh, they believe he is a sort of would-be rapist in an alley before Rorschach corners him. So... That's an interesting tie-in. He also shows up at some point. He's credited in the movie not as Joe Chill, but as F-18 fighter pilot. So he is a pilot at some point in this movie as well. Wow. Uh, But I think what is cool is that Snyder had asked him to play Joe Chill because he didn't like any of the actors up for it. And this was after Damon Carl had shot the warehouse sequence. And it was pointed out that there's something un- almost unintentionally symbolic about the fact that the man who plays Joe Chill is the same man who coordinated how Batman saves Martha. 
uh, in this movie. <laughs> I don't know if that was really deliberate because it's not like you could know that when watching the movie, but I thought that was kind of a nice little tidbit about Damon Caro and how he's more than just some random extra dude they brought in to play you know, the gunman for two seconds on that. He's actually a legit part of this movie and of Snyder's team. So that is uh, Joe Chill for us. Probably one of the more interesting Joe Chill actor backstories that we have. So next Snyder versus Critics thing is what Zach had addressed and something that Andrew had hit us up about in uh, offline, but it is flying Bruce, young Bruce <laughs> in the Batcave. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Smith apparently had a similar reaction to uh, Arzak saying, oh, oh no, when he saw that that was happening because he wasn't really sure. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot about his reaction, yes. So I think the critique was that it kind of took people out of the movie, but the idea was it's supposed to be symbolic because he says in the dialogue, in the dream they took me to the light uh, and sort of represent that being Batman as he's being surrounded by the bats was supposed to sort of heal or release him from this trauma but that turned out to be a quote-unquote beautiful lie, as in, like, Batman wasn't the release from this tragedy that he thought it would be, and, you know, being Batman only led him to more and more misery in his life, which is a lot to interpret just based off of that one image and, and the voiceover. So uh, for some, it took them out of the movie, but that is Snyder's intention. Now, when it comes to Snyder versus critics, when it comes to stuff like this, I think we have to factor in, sort of like what Andrew and I did with Man of Steel, how well that idea was conveyed so when I ask where do you fall it's not necessarily where do you fall in terms of the idea but how well do you fall where do you fall in terms of how that was conveyed in the movie if whether that was clear to you whether you liked that idea or whether you thought it was a cool image even if you didn't get the inner symbolism where do you fall when it comes to that you want me to go <laughs> yeah. go ahead we might as well go I, feel like, I feel like you go because you're the you're you know guest and, and, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I guess um, I don't think that message was very clearly conveyed now that you've explained mm-hmm. that to me i didn't get that from the imagery <laughs> right. but i will say that i have warmed up to it and am pretty either indifferent or accepting of it now like i mm-hmm. said i think it's just because for everybody our last three batman you know cinematic outings were super realistic you would never see anything dreamlike mm-hmm. in those movies even with like the scarecrow they really toned it down so yeah i think it just kind of like shocked everybody that they didn't they weren't expecting something that was uh you know symbolic so i don't think the message was very clearly conveyed because you had to explain it to me and i did not know that (laughs) (laughs) but i don't feel like i hate it or anything i I think it's fine Mm -hmm. andrew it was not clear to me either uh not Mm -hmm. not what you just said um but doesn't mean i don't like it Uh, i mean they say it's a dream the second that scene ends also. Mm-hmm. So they make it, he's making it as clear as possible after the fact, um, immediately after. And uh, I don't know. I mean, we saw this imagery before in Batman Begins with them swirling around him. And what I always get mm-hmm. because of my Christian background, I guess, is it's like, if you want to talk about underlying themes of this, it's, it's, a, it's a baptism by bats. He is born again, main, made anew in this new image. Mm-hmm. And... Right. Uh, him flying towards the light i i mean maybe it should be to the to the darkness because he's batman but you know he's going to his mission his life's purpose so i mean i'm all for a cool dream sequence like that and and like a a baptism uh and shit like that you know (laughs) so uh are we voting voting on this because i'm I'm going with snyder 
Oh, you're just asking if we uh, if we got the imagery, well, if we understood uh, well, the, the point. Well, yeah, because I'm just like, yes, Snyder has, you'll, you'll see, he has deep intentions, but some of that is how well does he convey that? That particular intention was not conveyed to me. Mm. Okay? Just like, yeah, I agree with Zach on that one. <clears throat> okay. So then would you fall under critics then? Because the critics are pretty much like, this is distracting. The and only, Snyder has I, his intentions, I only but. fall on for, for critics only on the point that that wasn't that particular his mm-hmm. if that is his intention that yeah. wasn't conveyed but right. I fall on Snyder in the fact that I, I think that the scene still pretty much works I mean you mm-hmm. know it's even if I didn't get exactly what he meant um, I like that imagery and I think it works uh, and I think Batman would have dreams like that so yeah Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. It's it's also a dream. It's dream logic. We could all. Right. It always has a kind of you kind of skate skirt away with some shit because it's not exactly logical. Right. Yeah. I I'm with you there, Andrew, in the sense that like I was okay with it in the movie. It might trip me up a little bit, but I'm just like, oh, it's a dream sequence, you know, as you said. Uh, but I also agree that it doesn't quite convey what he was going for. Yeah. Yeah. So I almost feel like this would just be a draw because it's like we like his intention and we also agree that it kind of didn't really convey that. Right. Uh, in which case, we're still at Snyder 2 and Critic 0. <laughs> so, Give it time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So next we go to the arrival of the Superman, as it says in the in the title, and Ben Affleck arrives as Bruce Wayne. So apparently... According to the commentary, Ben Affleck was so in character about how he needed to go and save Gotham that he jumps out of the helicopter early against the wishes of the safety coordinator and everything. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, that uh, Thank God he didn't actually hurt himself. That was Ben Affleck's choice? That was Ben Affleck's choice. Okay, I noticed uh, that. I was like, that. that's not CG, man. He's really getting out of a helicopter. No, because no, he was yeah. just like, if I am Bruce Wayne, then I'm gonna, I'm, I don't care about safety anymore. I'm gonna want to get out as soon as possible so I can save Gotham. I was like, that's pretty legit. Like, that's, yeah, I really like that. Everybody shed uh, on fucking Batfleck, and he was fucking one of the best, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think we all agree on that. We all so. agree on that. <laughs> Snyder. Uh, Snyder for Batfleck. <laughs> I got to say one thing, though, since we're getting to like him going, this is Metropolis he's in, right? Uh, It's, I guess it's unclear to me because I thought it was Gotham because Gotham is like right across the way from Metropolis, but I guess it could also be Metropolis that he has a tower there as well. So the thing that takes me out of that scene, and it's because it was product placement for that damn Jeep that they have in the commercial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even I notice that, that shit. I saw that commercial, and then I watched the movie. I was like, oh, this is just like the straight-up commercial. It really took me out of it. It just didn't seem like – it was just weird. I, I didn't like that product placement. They do the same thing. Um, That's like me with Injustice I'll Get drive through with Batman Forever. <laughs> I was like, really? This is actually in the movie? Yeah, that was that yeah. was worse than that. <laughs> that was definitely worse, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed weird. Dude. Like, I don't know. That part like threw me a little bit, but I think it's only because I saw that commercial. If I had never seen yeah. that, I wouldn't have made that I don't think connection. I saw the commercial beforehand, yeah. I didn't yeah. see it either, man. I, that passed me by both times. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I say this is a little tease, what I gave you guys in terms of I have a specific Batfleck deep dive where we'll go into other aspects of Batfleck's backstory, the reasons why he lives in a house outside of Wayne Manor, a lot of the different imagery, that a lot of the stuff that might not be clear in the films. Uh, just a little s- small preview, but if you notice on the in the Bat- Zack Snyder Batcave, 
everything there's basically nothing touching the floor everything is attached to the ceiling like a bat hanging from the ceiling what that's in the so fucking movie that, i don't even notice that's that. in the movie yeah yeah so God all damn. that cool type of stuff i have reserved for its own deep dive because it's just way too much stuff to get into right now uh but yeah it, there was a lot of thought that was put into this anyway cool. uh Next, Snyder versus Critics thing, and this came out more... It's something that I noticed, and it's also something that came out when I watched uh, one of those screen rant uh, pitch meeting things. Uh, it's a sketch where a guy is playing both the exec and the screenwriter, and is supposed to point out all the different oh, like, yeah. inconsistencies and stuff. And, yeah. I, and they're really funny, and the one that uh, was brought up is like, oh, like he lost somebody during the fight of Metropolis, and like, who was it? Was it Lucius? Was it Robin? Was it background? I was like, no, it was Jack. Yeah. The guy's like, Jack? Who's who's Jack? Yeah, who's, so who is Christmas Jack? <laughs> so that's what Jack, I want to know. Bruce, Bruce calls an exec named Jack O'Dwyer. His credit in the credits is his last name is O'Dwyer, so he even has a last name. Um, I have looked up for the last four to five years if there's a Jack O'Dwyer in the comics. There is not, um, but uh, critics apparently there's an Easter egg. <laughs> hold on a second. There's an Easter egg of an article in the background at, at one point. That shows that Thomas Wayne, it was like a picture of Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Thomas Wayne with the actor playing Jack and establishing that Jack could have been like this father figure to Bruce. However, it's an Easter egg in an article in the background that we could not read because it's in the background. Uh, but it apparently this is a, this is almost a Lucius Fox type character. Not maybe not necessarily somebody who makes gadgets for him as Batman, but as somebody who he's known for most of his life. Uh, on that and they the critique has been sort of like well you kind of killed somebody off who you made up who isn't from the comics and hasn't really been previously established so how are we supposed to get the emotion of that was kind of the the criticism Uh, though Snyder's intention was absolutely for them to kill off a a sort of a family friend so that Bruce would have a little bit more of an emotional tie into what happened to the Battle of Metropolis as opposed to you tore my building down right so where do you guys fall on this starting with Zach critics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to off Jimmy Olsen they might as well off the Lucius Fox or something like that I mean because yes. that's really like I guess who it should have been he would have a much stronger mm-hmm. connection to him and reaction and we as the audience would know who it was because it was an established character in the former films mm-hmm. Andrew? Critics like I said earlier yeah. it's uh, it, it just like who you're, you're wondering who is that what am I yeah. watching? Yeah. You know, like yeah, I, exactly. you, you understand the point. Supposed to have an emotional reaction, uh, emotional tie-in for Bruce and all that, uh, but uh, it's just a little thin. Yeah, I think the easiest fix is just have him as one of the guys in the beginning trying to comfort Bruce at the funeral. Right, and then you just yeah. use the same actor in the tower, and then that's it. Like that's all you need, just one little fix, and yeah, you right. already know who that guy is because you saw him. That's true. Uh, that would have been great. So. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to be Lucius Fox, though that could have also been like a really huge impact. Like, imagine if they did that. That would have been uh, a pretty big, uh, would have been a huge Snyder laying down the law, being like, anybody you know could die in this universe before we kill off Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> maybe that would have been too much at once. But uh, I also kind of wonder, because it's almost like the trauma of the destruction of Gotham and Metropolis. Uh, is almost like him reliving his trauma or supposed to be him reliving his trauma uh, and sort of feeling like he's so small and insignificant in compared to the fact that you have these gods now. You have Superman and Zod. I almost wonder if it would work better if they intercut, instead of the funeral, if they intercut the deaths of the parents with the destruction stuff. 
And then at the end, when he says it was all a beautiful lie, it's him looking up at Superman and saying that, like, he's so small compared to everything else. And you cut to that wide shot of him looking small because it's the fact that he's just him and all the rubble uh, and all that. And so I kind of wonder if that would have conveyed the intentions more uh, on that and still having the whole, you know, Jack being the one at the funeral uh, and everything. So anyway, I'm with you guys on that. Critics, one, Snyder, two. So Snyder is still winning. Uh, <laughs> one last tidbit before the break is that there's some obviously deliberate uh, post 9-11 imagery to this, but there's an interesting comic book connection here that a lot of people have overlooked that was I actually overlooked it myself until someone pointed out to me. In Detective Comics number 33, it was the first time that they showed the origin as the flashback to Thomas and Martha Wayne. And then when you cut back to present day, Bruce Wayne is in the city when the city starts getting destroyed. And the next shot, uh, the bottom of the page, is Bruce Wayne lifting a steel girder that's trapped a man. So all that stuff is actually in the original uh, Bill Finger Detective Comics. Wow. That almost right down to that image of him lifting the thing up off of uh, Scoot McNary's character uh, there. So I thought that was a really cool connection. If, it's, if it wasn't deliberate, it's a hell of a coincidence, especially when it's the exact same predicament that he saves that guy. Right. So I thought that was cool. It's probably a reference. Anyway, yeah probably so see Snyder does reference stuff that's not the Dark Knight Returns <laughs> for people who were criticizing that <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway finally. Snyder 2 Snyder 2 Critics 1 when we get back from the break we're going to dive into uh, Africa and Jimmy Olsen need some adventure in your life What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi fantasy and horror where we delve the depths of pop culture history everything's the same politically but we have ray guns the the actual motive isn't to explore something that's quote yeah. scientifically possible or but neither is star wars and i know there's Shh. arguments about that but i would definitely consider star wars science fiction you haven't it's, read dune you have, no i haven't you can never be the quizzatetarak what mad universe on the greenlit podcast network welcome to the inside of my wizard hat Vision, it's lovely to have you here. It seems like you're always betwixt and between worlds and whatnot. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, so uh, I got your resume and I really appreciate you meeting me here. It says here that you're you're some kind of wizard. My resume written on the back of a very large acorn? Yes, yes, this is uh, most interesting uh, you were able to do that. But yes, it says that you're some kind of wizard, that you do magic. Yes, as you can see here, I've whisked you away to to give you a house tour of sorts inside my wizard cap. Right, right. Well, I, you know, apologies if it doesn't seem like I'm that, you know, overly impressed by it. It's just that my, my you see, my wife is also kind of into magic, and that's kind of why I need you. Very powerful. Yes, yes, she is. She is indeed. And, and uh, I, I guess what I need is that uh, she appears to have... Uh, this is kind of weird, but she's taken the town of Westview hostage, and I don't know exactly what she's doing, but I need someone who also has magic in order to sort of undo the, uh, what do the Americans call it? The bullshit uh, that she's applied to it. That is a conundrum indeed, Vision. <laughs> well, I can't do shit for you, you see. She has. What? She has such a powerful wizardry. Even I, who has mastered acorn runes and wizard cap mansions and whatnot, you know, I still get my 
wizard robe washed in Manhattan. So I don't even have wizard robe washing magic down yet. How can I even assume to take over Westview again from your wife? She's this is too much. It's too much. She's she's too powerful. You're I hate to say it, Viz, but you're fucked. I just wanted to give you a tour to my house just to give you a bit of a respite from all the insanity going on in that in that town. It was really it's quite insane what's going on there. I mean, you know, I have an idea of what's what's why she's doing that, but no spoilers. Right, so I'm a little conflicted on this because my first instinct is this is a bloody waste of time. But the other is it's it's certainly nice to get out of that town. Shit gets weird in there. Here is my wizard toilet. I take wizard shits here. Okay, I think things have gotten weird enough. I would rather be tortured by my wife in a sitcom. See you later. And here is the wizard grotto. Here I look at squirrels. There's a whole manner of wildlife in the cap. I think I was better off dead when Thanos killed me. And here is my wizard kitchen island. Please, please, Mr. Brolin, come down and rip that stone out of my forehead. This island has its own coconuts, you see? Or, or <laughs> I can ask my wife to annihilate me again. I seem to be getting my memory back, even though that's inconsistent with the previous episodes, but what the hell? Are you bored with my wizard tour of my tap house? Quite frankly, yes. I've had it with this bullshit with wizards just showing me around. I just want to go back to regular reality. I was better off just fighting Ultron. That was where I was my most powerful anyway. I kind of seemed weirdly seemed to be powerless against Thanos' minions, but that's another discussion entirely. Wow, yes, this is a lot going on in your universe there. It's, it's very complicated, even for a wizard such as myself. <laughs> um... Well, maybe if you could just uh, drop me off in like medieval times so I can help out a knight or something, you know, oh, maybe introduce him. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, let's do that right now. What? What'd you say? Trudging. What? You know, trudging. To trudge. The slow, long, aimless walk of a man who's lost all hope. And, uh, somehow wound up naked thanks to the bloody Indeed wizard. <laughs> Alright, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that, plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and, uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes basically consider it superhouse dlc this is dustin lee massey at dustin lee massey from instagram and you're listening to superhouse and we're back and so we left off with snyder 2 critics 1 and we're going to continue and now we are out of the batman stuff and we are in africa where we have something that is only in the ultimate edition and not in the theatrical cut in the theatrical cut, there is a fellow reporter slash photographer played by actor Michael Cassidy who accompanies Lois only to be found out to be a CIA agent and subsequently shot in the head. In the Ultimate Edition, you find out that this CIA agent is Jimmy Olsen, which is a huge uh, comic book connection there because Jimmy Olsen is obviously a major Superman character. We covered him a little bit in our uh, Radio Superman is the Best Superman deep dive because he was created for the radio series. Uh, the reason behind this was that Zack Snyder said he wanted to subvert expectations and that he brought up that there are certain characters who just wouldn't work with the expanding world that he was 
setting up. You know, maybe if he was doing a TV series, he would have more time to expand on Jimmy Olsen. But uh, given that we have these films, there probably wasn't a lot of room to expand them, which probably explains why, you know, Mercy is killed off later. Anatoly never becomes KG Beast. All these other, like, characters who have comic book futures are kind of killed off before they end up playing more of a role like they did in the comics. However, this is was criticized because people were sort of just saw this as a reason or to say that Snyder must seem to hate the Superman mythology to <laughs> do away with Jimmy Olsen this way or that they could have just not had Jimmy at all if they were just going to blow his brains out on uh, on film. So where do you stand when it comes to uh, Jimmy Olsen being recreated as a CIA agent and not even a very good CIA agent, it seems, because he gets found out pretty easily and killed like almost immediately. So... Zach? Critics. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that one really got me when I found out it was Jimmy Olsen because before I wouldn't really, you know, give a shit. It's just like some, yeah. it seemed like it was some random guy. And mm-hmm. if that's what they did for the person that Bruce lost uh, during like Superman and Zod's fight, then why didn't they just make the other guy a rando? I get what he's saying as far as subverting people's expectations, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's like a, it's a beloved character for a lot of people and it almost just seemed like kind of mean-spirited of him yeah for people that like critique that everything he does is kind of like dark and um cynical and Mm. and sadistic and yeah that was just like if i didn't know it was jimmy then whatever who cares but yeah in the ultimate edition you do it's very clear that it's jimmy olsen so it's just like a a throwaway character pretty much pretty much yeah Andrew critics it was just not good was it gentlemen <laughs> um I mean it could have been anybody why is it gonna be goddamn Jimmy Olsen for one um props to that actor for uh learning those lines in the other language uh however oh that's true too. that was yeah. cool I don't know there was a, apparently some African language of some sort um forgive my lack of knowledge on that one but uh uh, yeah, that I did like that but it, it mean if it just wasn't Jimmy Olsen it'd be all right but it's it's Jimmy Olsen. It's just like, what are we, what are you yeah. doing, man? Why, why are we killing? You're subverting a lot of expectations. <laughs> Mission accomplished, Snyder, on that one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I just think they could have easily gotten out of, like, you could still have your cake and eat it too if he's found out as a CIA agent. And Lois is like Jim, and he's like, that's not actually my name. I took that from like my brother. Boom. Or something, or something like one that. line, you know, so easy. Something where he's like, you know, I, or I took that from some photographer kid in Kansas or whatever. Like it's something that shows like he's not the real Jimmy then you get to have the same thing. But I agree here because of the fact that I think Jimmy is like Robin in a way for the Superman mythos where a lot of people, you know, who aren't super familiar with that mythos are going to be like, oh, you don't need that character. He just makes things lame. But as we examine in the radio Superman, Jimmy was always sort of the, not just the audience conduit for, or surrogate, I should say, for, for kids, but he was also the example of who Superman was inspiring. Superman wasn't just inspiring or wasn't just stopping bad guys. He was inspiring normal, everyday people. That's why Perry, Lois, and Jimmy were all such an integral part of the Superman mythos is because he, they all wanted to do the right thing. Jimmy even you know goes undercover a few times, as we saw, to take down white supremacists in, in the 1940s stuff. Uh, in J. Michael Straczynski's Superman Earth One, which we talked about in Man of Steel, He's almost like this daredevil photographer who will do anything just to get a photo. And in that version, it's Clark seeing him do that that inspires him to be Superman. Because he's like, if this mortal human is willing to put himself in harm's way, then what right do I have to stand by the sidelines? 
So in a way, Jimmy almost inspires Clark in Superman Earth One. There's a lot of different ways you can pull this, push this dynamic, but I think the worst way is to just say like, "Oh, Jimmy offers no value for our world, and therefore we're going to blow his brains out." Like I'd rather not see Jimmy Olsen at all yeah. than have him in this just almost like as Zach said, like sort of, sort of this mean spirited like "Ha ha ha, you suck" type of yeah. uh, experience uh, to the character. So. That makes it uh, Critics 2, Snyder 2 on here. Yeah. Hell, he already killed off Robin, too. Which, that is a Robin that does die in the comics. But it's like, yeah, go ahead and get a Robin out of here, too. We don't need him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But, yeah, you're right, Zach. There is precedent for that. So it was less surprising and less controversial for that. Also, we didn't... I mean, I guess if we saw Robin get killed, that would have probably affected average audiences more than the Batman audiences. Mm-hmm. But... There's still a difference between seeing the costume versus literally seeing him get shot yeah. in this. Uh, little tidbit. Uh, again, Michael Cassidy, who plays Jimmy Olsen, was also in Smallville. <laughs> As Andrew and I have joked, everybody was in Smallville. Yeah. Um, Michael Cassidy played the editor of the Daily Planet, uh, Grant Gabriel, uh, during Smallville. So he went from being the editor of the Daily Planet to uh, uh, a fake Jimmy Olsen. That seems like a bit of a demotion, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway, Grant Gabriel. Snyder loves out Smallville and anime. We've come he to must. we've come to to conclude yeah. here on this or, podcast. Or they all they both had the same casting agency. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he Grant Gabriel turns out to be a clone of Lex Luthor's brother. But that's another story entirely. Uh, Is he part of Nexus now. The what? Is he part of that Nexus cult now, or is that what it's called? Nexium. Oh, Nexium. I don't. Th- I don't think Michael uh, Cassidy's part. No, of that. I, don't, I, I hope not. Part of that. actors. That's why I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's I, a whole other know. episode. Maybe it's on the pa- maybe on the Patreon. <laughs> Next CM deep dive. I do I do <laughs> like the idea of true crime. Uh, you know, we mix true crime uh stuff with with superhero nerd stuff somehow. But I feel like our first one for that is going to be George Reeves. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe there's enough for a mini series out there. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight on unsolved superhero mysteries. Yes. So, uh. The next thing, Snyder versus Critics, is the Africa sequence was criticized for being extremely complicated because the main thing is to try to frame Superman for the deaths of a lot of these villagers. It's clearer in the Ultimate Edition, uh, I think, but uh, some people were just like, why is Anatoly killing people with gunshots? How is that supposed to frame Superman? Because it's not like That's Superman That's the thing, man. Bullets. It fucking, like, that whole plot point makes no sense to me. Yeah. It's better in the Ultimate Edition but, mm-hmm. you know, this is a comic book movie. Have them using laser guns or something and, you know, make it seem like Superman lasered them all. What's the deal with this bullet just, shit? Just napalm. Yeah. Just burn them up. For, like, don't even shoot them first. Just burn them. That yeah. way it would look like Superman did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're completely lost on me, uh, this one. Yeah. It, it lost me in the theatrical version because I was like, what the hell is this? And why are we doing, why are we even doing this? Because... And I still feel this way, even though I know now, having seen the Ultimate Edition and examined this movie more, what they were trying to do. But it's like, if the whole idea was people should question Superman and the collateral damage that comes with that, shouldn't you just do, can't you just do that with the Battle of Metropolis? You had a whole movie where we saw that stuff. Why do we need another thing where it's just like, oh man, like Superman might be bad. I'm like, you already have something for that. You already have the Battle of Metropolis and you already showed that to us. Yeah, we don't need that. Why do we need that that again? again? Yeah, this is a bit much. Um, I do think I remember. I could be wrong about this, but the I, there was some sort of th- th- 
the theme there is like he goes to save one tribe, but while he's doing that, another tribe gets massacred or something. I think there was some sort of that was they had that in their minds to some degree. I think I remember reading some sort of interview or something. Well, about should have that. just done that. Yeah, that yeah. would have been great. Like Superman yeah. shows Superman's weakness, but also his strength in a way because he is he's saving people. Yeah. Like, and I guess it becomes very clear. Snyder likes him, you know, globe trotting. So he goes to Africa. You know, I don't know. I just, you know, it's it's cool. Um, it just wasn't yeah. that this whole part, while better and ultimate, not great. You didn't need any framing stuff. Yeah, it could have literally just been what you said. Like he goes to save Lois in a pretty clear cut scene. No Anatoly, no CIA, no Jimmy Olsen. But somewhere else in the, another part of the world, like America, gets into some sort of conflict, and they're like, "Well, Superman, you could have prevented that. Why'd you go and save this random reporter?" I mean, Why her been, over and over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, like, yeah that like could have been interesting Superman. thematically. Yeah, I like seeing Superman in other parts of the world. I think that makes the movie feel bigger. I do like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah the Day of the Dead like, imagery is so good. Oh, that part Day later. The, yeah. That part, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go I, ahead, Zach. I cut you off. Oh yeah, just like um, I just want to see more of him saving people, not just Lois. Mm-hmm. So that could have just been like a moment of just actual heroic behavior. Without having mm-hmm. to having to build in, you know, Lex's convoluted plot to frame Superman, because I, you know, it's been since the summer since I watched the Ultimate Edition, but uh, I don't remember that part having much of an impact of them framing Superman for burning those people. And I was like, oh, right. okay. I, I don't remember seeing anything about it later on, unless it was on a a quick TV clip. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't amount to right. much. Right. And, you know, Lex is trying to pit Batman and Superman against each other. But do you know how much impact the whole Africa incident has on Batman? Zero. <laughs> Batman does not talk about the Africa incident at all in that's either true. version or the actual that's version true. or the ultimate edition. That's true. What are we He's doing, man? concerned about the Battle of Metropolis, and that's it. <laughs> well, so... What are we doing over here, man? This is just ridiculous. Maybe, <laughs> maybe go to the Indian Ocean and do something there. Try to connect that again. <laughs> I don't know, dude. This is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a couple things I do like just to okay so let's, first off I'm saying everybody's doing critics on this one I'm guessing yeah. alright so critics 3 Snyder 2 uh, a few things I do like I do love that there's a very subtle moment where when Superman shows up and Lois sees him and Lois lets go as if she's being like she's relaxed even though she's still in danger she's like he's got my back um, so I really like that there's also sort of the speech that this terrorist guy gives beforehand about power and how someone with power can't really be as good as they really could be and that's obviously thematically tied into how people view Superman they don't buy that he is this all around good person they think he might have some agenda especially Lex so uh, I think that worked uh, and then I'm also pretty sure he kills the terrorist guy by sending him through the wall yeah. they don't come back to it but I'm pretty sure yeah. that would kill a regular man but they don't address it so I guess we could assume he's just in a hospital somewhere. You showed him in the hospital bed and like a body. Uh, body you, go through, you go through brick wall. It's a brick wall, right? Like against his back. It looked like more than one. Too. More than one. Yeah, that's it's yeah. definitely a kill. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's not Zod. It's not like he's, you know, he's down for some punching afterwards. Yeah. He's, he's out. After. And he would have fell over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, all right. So that's Snyder 2, Critics 3. When we go back to America, we have the sequence where that African woman is talking about her family was was killed, and then we go to Gotham. And this is a part that I'm going to hand over to Andrew because there is a football game going on in the Ultimate Edition that these two cops are watching. 
that is supposed to, I guess, be a metaphor for Gotham versus Metropolis, Batman versus Superman, that sort of thing. But Andrew has a little bit more insight into at least some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on this that you've heard. I was there the day they filmed this, um, and I was, you know, hot off the heels of my Man of Steel love or, (laughs) you know, my complicated love with it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I'd even go, you know, of course I'd go to day two, but I was really, you know all about it at this time in my life, I think. And it was like an El Monte or something. If you know, you probably know what I'm talking about, right, Ben? It was like, yeah, it was like yeah. sort of East LA sort of near where I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was like an aug. it was August, I think. And I don't know. I mean, there's not much to say, but yeah, they, they, the stadium wasn't like totally full. I, I figured that they were just filling in with CG people it was Snyder's directing with um, his, you know, uh, megaphone thing. Um, you could hear a little bit here and there. And um, you saw them make the. They had like one play, maybe two. And then mm-hmm. they would be like, okay, now fight or something like that. And then they'd get into the fight. And uh, I remember gotcha. I remember watching the theatrical edition. They never show the fight, right? And I was thinking, I don't think they even sh- they don't show the football game at all. It just not at all. goes right to the cops showing up to the uh, to the sex trafficker. And I, I remember thinking like, well, I, I maybe they don't show it at all, but I remember like, oh, there's no fight. And I, I just remember distinctly like the the football team gets in, gets in a fight, and they gave out these shirts. We're gonna, um, you know, give out. We're gonna um, post some of those pictures uh, that I took that day I was there. Um, yeah. And then they had a product toss at the end where uh, I got, I already owned a copy, but I got Injustice, one of the Injustice oh, video nice. games. And there were some movies and shit too, some t-shirts, but I got Injustice. And when I got that, I was like, I already have this. So I gave it to a kid and uh, near me. And he was like, thanks, mister. No, I don't know. He probably didn't say anything. But, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it was cool. Everybody was like super into it. And it was cool to see that movie get made. And when you know, when I finally saw it, it wasn't even fucking in the movie, I guess. But at least it's finally saw the fucking light of day, which mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty yeah. fucking sweet. I they gave a lot of Gotham football shirts, and I don't remember. Maybe I was on the Gotham side, but I don't remember there being anybody on the other side uh, of the stadium. I guess you only need one side, right? Because it's only yeah. just a few shots. So yeah, there's no there's no need no Metropolis football shirts at all. Uh, but. Uh, Lots of Gotham ones, and um, mm-hmm. those were given out. I didn't get one of those, but yeah, that was it. I mean, it was just cool. I was, I was mm-hmm. part. I was. I might be in the stands, guys, in there, but I might be CG'd over. I don't know, because they oh, they damn. did tell us to like react as a crowd and shit, but <clears throat> that shit is so easily CG'd over, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, oh damn. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot just for that little sequence, you know, because it's like. I would get it if it's the football sequence in Dark Knight Rises because that ties into the plot. And similar thing with what looks like in Zack Snyder's Justice League, we're going to get some flashbacks to Cyborg, yeah. uh, you know, Victor Stone being a football player. But uh, when I heard there was a football game in Batman vs. Superman that was cut, I was like, what did, what was the significance of that? Where's that play in? And then when I saw it in the movie, I'm like, oh, I guess it's kind of just a nice little Easter egg to be like Gotham versus Metropolis, just setting the tone. Yeah. But uh, it's cool, though, that they they sort of rewarded you guys with, you know, all the... All the little nifty, uh, you know, trinkets, the shirts and the trinkets. So many trinkets. The... Yeah. Pro- total product toss at the end. Everybody just throwing nice. into the stadium. You know, that was cool. So that's also, awesome. yeah. How to beat Let's somebody see. for one of those jerseys. 
<laughs> Straight up kill a motherfucker for a, for a football jersey. He gonna tackle a little kid. <laughs> thanks, Mister. And then <laughs> thanks, Mister. <laughs> yeah, give, thank, give that back to me, kid. You're welcome for these lumps, kid. <laughs> Blam. Uh, let's see. So the police officers go to show up, and they find a batarang sticking into the wall. I love this batarang that the Batfleck has. It is cool. They look fucking badass and deadly. If I was the cop, uh, I would have been like, blam, taking that shit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they were afraid that it has poison on it this. or something. But Yeah. Um, apparently, the, co- the cops are named, according to the credits, Mazzuccelli and Rucka, after David Mazzuccelli, the artist for Batman Year One, and Greg Rucka, who wrote uh, Gotham Central, and, of course, my favorite, Batman No Man's Land, um, the novelization as well. So that's all cool. Diving into the next part, we've talked about Batman, we've talked about Superman, we've kind of hinted at this. Let's talk about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, before you guys say critics, can't wait, um, <laughs> can't wait. How do you so know, man? You don't know <laughs> this me. Was critici- this was criticized because everyone was just like, he doesn't seem like Lex Luthor, and people compared him his performance more to like a Riddler or a Joker type. Others were really hoping that Lex's dad, as he's referred, he refers to his dad as being the Lex of uh, LexCorp, and they're hoping that his dad was actually the real Lex Luthor of this continuity, and he was just some uh, bastard son. Uh, But let's go a little bit into Snyder's intentions here. So Snyder said he deliberately wanted to go off of early DC comics of Lex Luthor, which is why he's got the red hair and uh, isn't bald until the end. Uh, He wanted a more, quote-unquote, intellectual and more modern version of what a supervillain might uh, look like today uh, on those things. So, you know, big corporate, untouchable, those types of aspects are still relevant, I think, today, as they were back when they first made Lex a corporate villain in the 80s. In terms of Lex's eccentricities, Snyder said that he plays word games for intellectual superiority. He's not interested in you following him all the time. You have to sort of stay up to his intellectual level, and he doesn't care if you're not able to. So that's why he has a lot of different metaphorical lines of dialogue um, in pretty much all his scenes. There. I, I think no, Nolan is so much better at this kind of thing uh, than mm-hmm. Snyder is. Like, just to, if I can talk about this for just a second, like all but, of his yeah. fucking lines talking about like philosophical, pseudo philosophical, religious, and whatnot. They try to add that in there via Lex, and I mm-hmm. get it, but some it kind of falls flat in this as opposed to how Nolan does it. Um, because with Nolan's clearer, Nolan's I think. clearer, and I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just not pulled mm-hmm. off as as well as it could. I I mean I get it. Superheroes are a kind of mythology. You want to tell mm-hmm. a deep story. You want to add depth. Myth- myths should tell us something about our lives. That's why superhero stuff is shit that you should know. In my opinion, <laughs> it's because it. it tells you something about your culture, and it tells even though this is a new American culture and and stuff like that, but you know, American culture is newer than other co- countries around the world. And this is our mythology. But, and I, I think that there is totally a place for having deep, like like how Nolan did it, like having deep things thrown into your mythos and thrown into mm-hmm. these superhero stories. Um, and it, it can play very well, you know, but the, the way it plays with, with Lex just isn't that good. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. I had a better descriptor, but... Uh, I'm just going to say that for now. Over to Zach. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, and uh, I don't Ooh. hate that Lex Luthor. Wow. Interesting. And I think it's just because I don't really have much of an attachment to Lex anyway. <laughs> if it's not like the Clancy Brown version, that is the best version. 
mm-hmm. in the animated series like that's my favorite lex but on film i've never really like cared about him i know he is superman's arch enemy but it's just like always been kind of this rich bald guy that i never had much mm-hmm. interest in and uh i did kind of like that he was of not like a i guess it's he was kind of this like you know what's, what's the word i'm looking for he's he's not like a huge like buff guy like some versions of lex he is like the peak of yeah. human fitness so it's supposed to be like he is the best version of humanity and he he is slighted by superman for being better than than him but he's an alien whereas this version of lex is kind of diminutive diminutive mm-hmm. or gonna cut that if i said it wrong uh <laughs> yeah he just uses his brain more it's i like that dynamic that he's just kind of this other type of character i agree he could have been somebody other than lex they could have just picked a whole other character given him a different name but mm-hmm. i didn't particularly hate the uh way he was portrayed other than like his little quirks and noises and things he was making <laughs> yeah just like that's just that. too much man it's just too much it is <laughs> i think it's it's yeah. just it's just kind of overdone and look i'm sorry eisenberg if you ever do listen to this you have a career way better than mine mine is definitely right now which is zero but i'm just some jackass on the internet but i just didn't think mm. that it was it's just not that good man you should have yeah. just had Brian Cranston to come in, dude. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, dude. I know you wanted to have like an Elon Musk like young billionaire type, but mm-hmm. um, or Zuckerberg rather. Uh, you know, you wanted a Zuckerberg because that's a social network. You know, it's probably why he was cast this way. But mm-hmm. man, it's just to me, this is something that was not re. You know, did not seem better my second viewing. This is still yeah. kind of mm-hmm. not just. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. better. It wasn't better the second time around either. So yeah, I I agree with Andrew on this. Where I, I get where they're going with it. I just didn't really like the execution so much. Uh, I do have more of an attachment to Lex Luthor than uh, you know than you do, Zach. But uh, I also tried to go in with an open mind as well, being like, well, I'm he doesn't have to be the Clancy Brown Lex Luthor. I do, I also do like the aspect that he is so much smaller than Superman. It's, yeah. it's his intellect that makes him. Uh, go a threat to the Superman, not necessarily anything about his brawn. And I always, I always like that. And that's also why when he was first cast, I'm like, eh, I'll give him a chance. Um, some of this might also come down to the fact that uh, he has long red hair through most of the movie. Because honestly, at, in the post credit sequence of Justice League, it's a huge, it's a big upgrade when he's got the bald head and he's got uh, a more traditional looking Lex look when he's talking to Deathstroke. And I was like, you know what? I don't hate Jesse Eisenberg in these two minutes as Lex Luthor compared to what it was in Batman vs. Superman. So maybe a lot of it just has to do with do with the look. You know, maybe if he was, you know, if we saw more of him bald and in the suit, uh, it would help out. I didn't necessarily get that feeling when he was bald at the end and talking to Batman, though. But who knows? You know, we'll see if there's, there's going to be more of him, I'm guessing, in the Snyder Cut because of the fact that his name is actually in... Uh, they show a brief part of the credits at the end of the trailer, uh, and usually the people whose names are in there are people who have major parts. In Would that it, be so. trailer one hundred and three or trailer one hundred and twenty-seven? <laughs> one hundred twenty-seven. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I do remember. I like how Zach Sanders like, "Hey, I'm going to introduce the first official 
Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer. I'm just like, how, do you realize how many trailers we've seen this? Yeah, so that's far? quite quite a lot, Mr. Snyder. Perhaps give us the movie already. Perhaps just take a break here for a moment. <laughs> it might be your marketing team and not Snyder, but it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, marketing team guys, you know, we got enough. <laughs> I do remember being excited when I did hear that it was rumored that it was Brian Cranston, though. That was a very early rumor, and I was just thinking, like, oh, that's so perfect. So, yeah, I could definitely get behind that, too. I I kind of wish that had happened. Yeah. I, I'm kind of I'm a bit of an outlier on that because I love Brian Cranston. I think he would be a great Lex, but I also feel like he's I, – I picture him more as a kingdom come Lex Luthor mm. versus a regular continuity because of just his age – you know, like I just feel like he's he's too old for a Henry Cavill Superman. Hmm. If it's him up against a Kingdom Come Superman, then I'm perfect. But I was just like, uh, I mean, I'm down for it. He's a great actor uh, and would probably pull it off. But he wouldn't have been ideal uh, in my mind. If, if so, I didn't mind the fact that I didn't go in that direction personally. But uh, I could you could totally pull it off. Absolutely. Speaking of themes, real quick before we stop talking yeah. about Lex. Uh, I just want to talk about this. Like you, you mentioned, like Lex sees himself as the peak of human conditioning. Probably, if he didn't have any gadgets, he could go against Batman. Batman with no, you know, Batman with no gadgets, maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. win. Like he's in, in a lot of iterations, right? Like he's in different interactions, especially yeah. All Star Superman when he's like, you know, basically doing he's weightlifting in front of Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like he's. There's the the theme of what like jealousy maybe against a god like a human a human first humans mm-hmm. first kind of guy make humans great again kind of kind of guy. There's definitely a vibe of that. Yeah. Th- but then In there's the also comments. the uh, the other one which is pretty much related I guess. But it's just like he just thinks no no man should have that much power. I for me it took me a long time to wrap my head. No or, one man should have all that power. Should have all that power. Yeah. But that's really just like that wraps it all up. That's what Lex is in a lot of versions. Maybe in this one too, but it's just not mm-hmm. it's just he's just kind of all over the place cuz he's just you know just I don't know. Yeah, you know, he's he's just doing that shit. Right. right. <laughs> I wish I could say I'll go, I wish I could have a better acting, adjective for you at this moment. Acting? Yeah. <laughs> He's doing whatever that is, and it's just, I don't know. But um, go, I, I, I like yeah. the themes of Lex, and it's just not mm-hmm. thrown in here as, like, as clearly as it probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll do a deeper dive into Lex, because a lot of defenders say that this Lex is the same type of Lex as in Superman Birthright, and I want to put that to the test. So we will dive into the Birthright Lex, pit him up against the Eisenberg Lex, see what they have in common or don't have in common as well as dive into other aspects of Lex Luthor that we just don't have time to get into. Not to spoil it, but I mean, is it fucking anything other than the hair? That's a similarity. <laughs> is it anything other than the there's, hair? There's a little more. There's a, a little, little more. more. Okay. There's a little more, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's a yeah. great run. Go out and read it if you haven't. It's great. Yeah, it's so, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so we first inter- meet Lex when he meets with Holly Hunter, Senator Finch, and he brings them over to show that he's got kryptonite. The scientist who talks to them about kryptonite uh, his character is Emmett Vale. Emmett Vale in the comics is the scientist who creates Metallo oh, and uses Kryptonite to power the suit. So this does lead into previewing a future Patreon because of the fact that there may or may not have been a role for Metallo in Batman vs. Superman in the development. There is concept art of Scoot McNary's character in a Metallo-looking costume. That is cool. So 
we will cover that in Patreon, and uh, it gives us a little opportunity to tease our video of pitching a sequel to Man of Steel. So stay tuned stay for that. Tuned that, for that. If, yep, stay tuned for that. All right, uh, let's go into the. Wait, I didn't even go. So the we already. <laughs> I think Andrew and I are with critics, so we've outvoted Zach on that. So that's sorry, Snyder, Zach. Snyder two, critics four on You're it. You're the one, Still man. You're the only one I know that likes that. Likes that. <laughs> I just don't hate him, really. I just was okay. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not the ringing endorsement, really. <laughs> I don't hate him. <laughs> okay, the last one I want to cover before we wrap is uh, we get to meet a little more of Henry Cavill's Clark Kent. We didn't really get to meet him as a reporter in Man of Steel because he just got the he just got to the Daily Planet at the end there. So uh, this kind of ties into what you mentioned, Andrew, in the last couple Man of Steel deep dives where. Uh, Mike Rakoff, who used to be our correspondent on Game of Thrones stuff, criticized Henry Cavill's acting in this for being too stiff in the role. And when I was rewatching it, I realized that it might come across more in the Clark Kent scenes than as Superman, because you sort of expect Superman to just be yeah. very, you know, stoic, clear cut, stoic type. Whereas Clark Kent, you don't necessarily. And I get that you don't want to do christopher reeve all over again in fact that would not fit here at all i don't think anybody on this podcast was looking for that either you know i don't need to see him crashing into a bunch of cubicles uh and stuff like that (laughs) but uh i think the criticism has been that uh in some ways cavill's clark kent is basically superman in glasses in this there's not really a lot to differentiate him perry white does make jokes about clark getting his lunch money taken in gotham and that uh, whoever invited him to the the function must have a thing for nerds, but Cavill doesn't seem like a nerd as Clark Kent. He just seems like Henry Cavill with glasses on mm-hmm. in uh, yeah, versus Superman. Right. So where do you guys stand when it comes to, I guess, Henry Cavill's reporter, Clark Kent? Critics versus Snyder, starting with Zach. I can agree with the critics on that one. I feel like that was one of the, um, one of the negatives I have about the movie is Superman in general just seems really like reserved and kind of depressed and doesn't speak on what his feelings actually are or show them and yeah and then when when you see clark i just feel like he was a little bit warmer and just tried to act more human but you're right he doesn't really try to um act any differently to me just you know that's his his civilian disguise but it's doesn't really feel like much of a different persona um Mm -hmm. from superman at all Andrew? I agree they're very similar. They should be more different. Um, it doesn't kill it for me, though, because I think that's almost kind of on purpose, maybe, from Snyder's part, just because he feels like, what are they going to do, make him funnier as Clark, bumbling around like Reeves? That's just something that, like Reeve, um, but that, that's just something that, that Snyder probably just didn't, just wanted to avoid. I mean, it does make it, always it makes it have a better, like a more interesting dynamic if they're different, I guess. I kind of see both sides on this one. I don't know. I mean, they just don't have a lot of great scenes with him. I don't know. They don't. They could have done more with it. I don't know. Why is he covering sports anyway? <laughs> yeah, the other fucking thing. other fucking thing. Like <laughs> you're a sports reporter. I know. I, football. I, like really. I like the. I like how Perry. Like maybe he's like new at the planet, new at the Daily Planet, and he's Perry doesn't like him for some reason. And gives them like shit gigs, but like, a, you know, I'm, you know, sports are not a shit gig though for most reporters. You know, it's not what right. Clark wants to do, but that's not, 
Well, maybe he's doing that because he knows Clark doesn't want to. But that just makes Perry White shitty as fuck. If that's the case, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which, but it's probably not. It's just like I don't know. I don't know what they're doing there. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about this one, guys. Okay, I'm on the fence well, about. I'll, it. I'll be. I'll be a bit of a tiebreaker okay. and agree with Zach on this one because of a few reasons. One, you can make Clark different from Superman without repeating Christopher Reeve. Remember when I was talking about the radio Superman? The radio Clark Kent versus Superman. They're both very different personas. But Clark Kent in the radio show is not at all like the Christopher Reeve version. He's not bumbling. He's still very capable as a reporter. But you can somewhat buy that he's a different person still from Superman. Uh, They do have the similarity where they're going to, you know, they get to the bottom of things and investigate things and try to fight for what's right. But it's still a different type of persona. If anything, Clark is kind of just known for being a bit of a coward uh, in those instances. But it's clear in the radio show why they feel that way. Here, when you've got Perry being like, ah, oh, they must have a thing for nerds like you. I'm just like, dude, this guy looks like he could crush your head in. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and b- <laughs> part of that is the conceit of Clark Kent being Superman. You know, part of that is the fact you're, you're casting a over six foot tall jacked dude uh, in the role of this. But that's why Christopher Reeve even though I'm saying he should have a different persona, but that's also why Christopher Reeve worked because you could see people push that guy around even though he physically is able, capable of crushing you. But he put on the persona of a guy who doesn't seem like he'd be willing to do that. And so in a similar way, I'm like, the dialogue doesn't match up to the characterization here for Clark Kent. On a bigger issue, though, and I think this, is, this comes to something that I feel like is off about this or what threw people off about the movie is that you have, as Zach said, two somewhat stoic uh serious dudes who have lost their faith in humanity they both pretty much you we pretty much have two batman batman in this movie in terms of personalities <laughs> like superman is kind of batman like in terms of just his general personality and attitude and this is very different from most versions of batman I, and superman stories worst, which play with that dynamic more worst scene in this movie i think probably is when superman stops lois when she's getting in that cab and he's just got like it's he's just like he's making us fight Lois and he just has like just like a such a somber ass face and it's just like No one stays uh, good in this world. It's yeah. just so like it's just not what you want to hear Superman to say. He's like I don't know. It's it's just <coughs> overly somber or something. In a way that's kind of the point though. I think it's about Superman losing faith in humanity, but the problem is I think because of the how Superman is so dour throughout dour. the first good, half. Good word for that, yes. And considering how Man of Steel ended, it doesn't yeah. seem like he had that hope for humanity Never in the done. first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it would have been more powerful if he starts off like that, but then the society, <laughs> I use that word, but society keeps bringing him down in because today's of the fact society. That <laughs> yes, he lives in a society <laughs> that brings him down uh, because they always criticize him whenever he's saving people and all that and you see him lose that, that would have been more emotional, I think, because then you see somebody who you know is doing the right thing but is being emotionally affected by people who don't appreciate him. And I get that that's kind of what they were intending, but unfortunately for how Clark is written and in some ways acted, it doesn't come across that way. It just kind of comes across, as I said, you got two Batman in this movie as opposed to something like a lot of the Batman-Superman comics especially post-crisis that play around with the different personalities here's where superman's different from batman here's where batman's different from superman all those things and i don't think this movie really gives a clear sense of how those characters differ outside of the fact that one wears red and blue and has superpowers and the other one wears dresses up like a bat 
and kills people with guns. Right. So uh, that leaves us with a score of Snyder 2, Critics 5, I believe, uh, for this. So it's still close, though. It could still be anybody's game. But that is where we will leave off. And that is superhero stuff you should know. All right, so some fan comments for us to go over. First one is from Braden Hogan, who commented on our deep dive into the Tom Mankiewicz Batman script, uh, the Batman script from 1982. said, quote, man, that Tom Mankiewicz version had me absolutely encapsulated right up until you got to the pencil sharpener (laughs) where Batman throws Rupert Thorne into a pencil sharpener. (laughs) It was maybe a little rocky here and there. Had some definite kinks to iron out, but for the most part, that sounds like the Batman movie I've wanted to see forever and still want to see. I don't think I ever heard of that version. Certainly didn't know one of the true geniuses behind Superman 78 was involved in early Batman scripts. If they gave him the iconic 1970s bat suit, like in the artwork above, as in the thumbnail, uh, a Robin that's not 30 years old, <laughs> maybe cast Clint Eastwood or an unknown as Batman. Uh, Clint might have been too old at, in the 80s, but 70s would have been perfect, probably. Uh, and refined that script just a bit that would have been the perfect Batman movie. I'd also be curious to see the Steve Englehart script since he had one of the best runs on Batman ever. Uh, Brayden, definitely check out our deep dives into Steve Englehart's, uh, you know, dark detective stuff. Uh, thanks for bringing this all to my attention. Uh, mm-hmm. You're very welcome, Brayden. So, yeah, thank, thank you very you, much man, for, for that. Thank you, man, for that comment and right there. That sounds awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I can't give you that much more on Englehart's Batman stuff because he just hasn't posted that. He hasn't made it available. So we will definitely do a deep dive if that ever does become available. Next is uh, Dan D. He said, quote, just became a Patreon Dan supporter. D finally found the best one to make my first. Wow, we're, we're his first uh, Patreon. Yes. Uh, you guys rock. Keep up with the good content. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks, Dan D. Uh, yeah, we uh, Dan D and I went to high school together, so uh, I, I know that dude and thanks for supporting me now, man. That's fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. So uh, Last one is from Camden. I was afraid at first that there was something else that I fucked up, but uh, Camden <laughs> instead came up with an opinion rather than correcting me. Uh, <laughs> as I was expecting. Uh, it says, if Snyder really wanted to... This is about Man of Steel with the restaurant scene with the trucker. He said, quote, if Snyder really wanted to get that turn-the-other-cheek moment from Clark when the trucker attempts to assault him, he should have not turned his truck into satanic art. <laughs> satanic <laughs> satanic art. That's it hurts funny. more whoever needed what that trucker was carrying. That is true. Also, even if that same situation happened with someone without superpowers someone would have still grabbed the sexually assaulting trucker by his shirt and tossed him out the front door. Not necessarily. Is a great point. Uh, Depends on how fucking toxic that whole environment is. Yeah. Well, he's Some saying, places have I a think, whole shitty <laughs> whole shitty vibe, man. Some places. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with that, but what okay. I'm saying, I think what he's saying is that Clark could have thrown the guy out without demonstrating his superpowers. And nobody would have oh, guessed. Well, yes. Or nobody would have blinked an eye because he's jacked six foot three Henry Cavill. Yes. And he works for there. sure. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is a great point. He could have literally just thrown him out. No one would have known about his powers. Um, the scene is still controversial online. I saw some people talking about it right when we released the episode, and people were sort of accusing the critics of this, saying that uh, almost accusing them of saying that this sexual assaulter shouldn't have been punished. Uh, and I'm like, no, we're saying he should have been punished. We're not saying that he shouldn't have been. Uh, it's just that the ex- the way that Clark does his revenge is somewhat controversial. Overkill. Of the way that Overkill. he does it. Overkill. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing, and I brought this up to Super Inframan, it's if I'm the trucker, right, and I walk out and I see the truck, this thing happened to my truck, how am I going to know that that was punishment for what happened to the waitress? 
this could like how this could just be an act of God. Like this guy could have easily just gone on, continued using that as an excuse to be a shitty human being and assault other waitresses all over the place. Like why? How does he know? Like oh, this guy got me. Like he doesn't. Some people, <laughs> some people make wild connections though. But I mean, it's it is it's, sort of weak though. Clear, yeah. Uh, and I also think in general it's more powerful to see Clark hold back, uh, which makes it more satisfying when he can actually unleash his full power on Zod. If he's yeah. almost like this powder keg by that time because he's been holding back for so long, um, which can be an advantage and also disadvantage because I'm sure, you know, in a way, Feyora or Zod could bring up to him, he's like, you've been holding back all your life. Well, we haven't, type of right. thing. So, anyway... As Andrew always says, it could have been better. Could have been well, better. Thank you, Camden. <laughs> thank you, Camden. Well, what a that. <laughs> non-creative phrase I've made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, that those are the comments. Over to you, Andrew, for the shout-out. Oh, man. You know how, how we do over here. Thank you to our Patreon supporters, Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, and our other supporters, Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B. Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., and Walter the Wobot. Uh, and please, uh, if you haven't already, join uh, the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Uh, we have a lot of tiers, but the, mo the most important ones, I guess we could say, are the $1 tier gets you the shout-out, and the $5 tier gets you the whole other show. That's really the best tier. That's the one to be at. If you go above that, you, of course, get the $5 tier stuff as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's a whole other show. We, this one comes out. This show comes out every Monday, and we have a whole other show that's a deeper dive that generally I receive tutelage from Ben to uh yeah and that is on patreon only five dollar tier every friday and uh please uh check out our merch store it's on uh well we're on a lot of shit now um it was just on Redbubble, mm -hmm. but now we're on t public and we're on threadless so if you want to go straight to it it's t public dot you uh, t public that's t e e like like a i don't know baseball t uh golf t teepublic.com slash user slash superhouse podcast 5000 okay and then the threadless one is superhero stuff pod dot threadless dot com so there's Ben Man uh, sort of Batman inspired heavily inspired <laughs> basically what I'm wearing right now yeah you can get a, 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 a you know merch with that on it and then my indeed wizard character art by Wolfie uh, and uh that's on there. Um, you can also get that on as part of the uh, higher Patreon tiers as well if you want to go that way. Uh, but uh, anyway, leave, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, that would be very helpful. And then also please uh, record us something like Zach has done many times and Kooky uh, also. They're our main contributors for this kind of thing. But we are accepting more applications. <laughs> We're accepting more of these kind of clips. And... Uh, you know, just take out your, your phone, your voice recorder app. You can use that voice recorder app to record us something like, you know, hey, love the pod or whatever. And uh, now you're now listening to super superhero stuff you should know or something like that. And then send that clip to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And you too can be on the show. Uh, we're on YouTube. If you haven't checked that out, um, we have basically the same thing as the podcast on Spotify, but and, and iTunes. But uh, it's you know like how Joe Rogan does, where you can see the actual video of the whole pod. 
Um, Ryan Sickler does that kind of thing. Tom Segura does it as well. It's pretty common to have a visual component to podcasts these days. Um, and uh, yeah, um, check out uh, Thunder Wolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. That's me. And then Thunder Wolf Lives uh, on YouTube. That's my other YouTube channel where it's uh, basically it's mainly me talking about all things Japan, Japanese language, Japanese culture, stuff like that. And um, anything that's not superheroes, my other interests are on there. So, and that's it for me, Ben. You can also follow us on Twitter at Superhouse Pod. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod, which is how we found Zach. Uh, <clears throat> you can also follow my personal Instagram at Ben Juan Writer, uh, as well as uh, my cat's Instagram, Alfie Pennyworth Cat. <laughs> Your son. Always going to plug that for my son. Uh, <clears throat> my website is benwanwriter.com, and. Uh, the channel that I have launched is probably going to be in the link of the description where uh, you can see some excerpts from this podcast so far where I pitch different ideas and uh, coming up will probably be one where I pitched a Batman and Joker team up movie before what looks like we might be seeing Affleck and Leto team up they're going to team Justice up League. in this fucking movie you think? that's what it seems like at the end there but we'll see maybe I'm wrong on that but just in case they I'll live in that, that kind of society from 2018 we live in a society where Batman <laughs> and Joker team up <laughs> <laughs> uh, over to you, Zach. Where can our fans find you if they haven't already? If they haven't already, they can follow me on Instagram at Zachary Jackson Brown Art and the exact same name on TikToks. Woo! And the exact same name on <laughs> Lord the now. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> same name on the YouTubes. TikToks, I'm amazed. It's uh it's blown up after the, like the last little video I did, so Nice. Still a lot of oh, weird shit. on there. <laughs> Are you doing you're doing weird shit on there? I gotta see this. Yeah, it's the same old stuff I usually do. I just post like the video versions, uh, like my time lapse versions of my artwork. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I and can't pry myself. Dances. I wanna see your dance. I wanna see the little <laughs> cute dances. You wanna see me dance? Yeah. Let's see right. it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> 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 All right. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can check out here is an example of one of uh, Zach's work. If you're watching us on YouTube, it's uh, his Batfleck. It's uh, his Batfleck card that I've had out uh, while I've been doing research on this episode. So I try to, whenever I do research, I try to pair my decorations around for whatever the episode is going to be. So nice. thank you for that, Zach. But yes. Cool. And I believe that is it. Thank you very much. When you guys come back again, we will continue our dive into Snyder versus Critics, Batman versus Superman. Who's going to win? Snyder or the critics. We'll see. I, I will now go and watch Henry Cavill put together personal computers shirtless. Signing off. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. Okay. Okay. <laughs>